everyone. This is Leslyn Keith. I'm president of the board of directors at the Lipedema Project and director of research. Welcome to Living Well with Lipedema. Today I have an excerpt from an interview with Ivor Cummins from our Lipedema and Keto Worldwide Summit that was held in 2017. Ivor is a biochemical engineer who discovered low-carb eating while trying to manage his own health. In this excerpt, he talks about cholesterol numbers and low-carb diets. He discusses the question, are cholesterol numbers really a good measure of health and disease? He then suggests some better measures of metabolic health. Well, the cholesterol going up, it is true that for some people, though it may level off over time, their LDL cholesterol may go up a little. And in some people, it goes up quite a lot. And the question around whether that's a problem is a great one. So I think from the standard cholesterol panel and from all the data I've been researching, the LDL result on its own really means quite little in general terms. I know the whole world has focused on it. It's been a huge business, but the reality is the data doesn't support it. So much more accurate from the uh, standard lipid panel is the triglyceride divided by the HDL ratio, and that indicates metabolic dysfunction, whereas the LDL value on its own, you know, is a very weak indicator. So no one has the complete answer to this. These lipoproteins like LDL and HDL that carry cholesterol and triglyceride are essentially a transport system around the human body. But the reality is that some people may run at different numbers and different levels of those components, uh, and it does not mean there's a problem. The best reading you can take from the standard panel, as I said, is the total cholesterol over the HDL or the triglyceride over the HDL. The LDL itself can be very misleading. And I'll give an example that LDL, when it's high in a person, has a tendency to indicate a future problem. Because people with high LDL, if they eat a bad diet, may be more exposed to metabolic dysfunction and inflammation, okay? But you'll see from what I just said, if you're a high LDL and you do not eat a poor diet and you do not have inflammation, then it becomes kind of irrelevant. Interestingly to an engineer, on the back end, when they look at people who are very diseased with cardiovascular disease and they've got major issues, down the line, they tend to have a lower LDL. <laughs> and there are reasons for that because insulin resistance or hyperinsulinemia is the primary driver of heart disease. And people in later stages, actually hyperinsulinemic, they tend to have lower LDL cholesterol. So you can probably see it's an utterly confusing and misleading metric that can tend to be bad when it's high can show to be bad when it's low, and really is just noise to an engineer. You know, you really need proper measurements of metabolic health, you know, like insulin or your glucose or post-meal or postprandial insulin and glucose levels or C-peptide. You know, there are many, many really good measurements. In fact, relating to the adipose tissue, the serum leptin, and the serum adiponectin, both hormones released by fat cells, are excellent measures of metabolic health. 
and no one's using them at all, but they blow away LDL cholesterol in terms of power. To be honest, over the last 30 or 40 years, the metrics that are picked are the ones that are amenable to simple treatments and to drugs. It's not necessarily that people are being are purposefully misleading. Mm-hmm. Everyone always gravitates to something you can tweak with a drug and it seems to help. And the thing that's massively more important, but you haven't got a drug for it, it gets ignored. But adiponectinia is a really key one. And like my adiponectin, the upper range is around 20. And I actually flagged in my last test because I was shown as out of range above 20. Oh. <laughs> Which, of course, is a good thing. And interesting, uh-huh. be like, my leptin flagged as being with an asterisk because it was kind of below range. It was down at four or below. But most doctors, they just don't look at that or are not looking at the birdie. For people who are overweight and somewhat dysfunctional and insulin resistant, they could predict the insulin resistance of a person across a large range of people, 98% accuracy just using the macrophage in their adipose tissue and their adiponectin. So two measurements could predict almost 100% of what their insulin resistance would be. So it just shows you, given that insulin resistance, hyperinsulinemia is arguably the primary driver of modern chronic disease, imagine those two measurements alone could essentially tie it down nearly 100% accurate. The adiponectin, just on that one, yeah, it's a hormone released by fat tissue and very functional fat tissue that's very healthy you will tend to have higher plasma amounts of adiponectin. And lower adiponectin uh, blood levels are very strongly connected, as expected, with insulin resistance and inflammation. That was a wonderful interview with Ivor, and we learned so much about cholesterol in that discussion. Thank you so much. And thank you to you, our listeners. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, or here at this website, lipedema-simplified.org slash flash, where you'll find an archive of all of our flash briefings. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another Living Well with Lipedema flash briefing. 